0: Well, we have, uh, Noreen, Sarah and I have enjoyed a, a wonderful two weeks here in Fallon and um, we head out again on, on Tuesday morning and head back to San Francisco and it's another week that we get to check off the list and, um, and so thank you um, for your prayers and uh, we're getting closer to March. March. And uh, we're excited about that. Um, I'm excited about this morning's time. We're going to basically return to our study from last week. I've adjusted the outline in your bulletin. You can follow along. Uh, Please do as we uh, dive into our time this morning. Um, I I, I liken our our time this morning in, in considering our church. And uh, the the uh, wellness clinic checkup. Um, I consider a, a couple of, hopefully, helpful illustrations that um, uh, I think might help us understand the importance of this topic. Uh, and the first one is w- what we've seen going on um, for a number of years. A country, the United States of America, really... Uh, starting to do things apart from its constitution. If we really get right down to it, there are some things going on um, that are very important. They're not being done necessarily according to the constitution and what the the forefathers wrote. And who knows what's going to happen in the years ahead if if there's going to be any uh, effort to revise it in a in a way that is more man-centered, in a way that's not uh, the way it was intended. That's a concern for us as people, as, a, as citizens of this land. Okay? And it, it relates to our topic this morning about the church. And trying to do church apart from the very core of the church, and that is the message of the gospel. And we can't uh, we can't you know, start drifting any further than we've drifted already from the message of the gospel. Okay? Um, so that was a pretty serious kind of illustration. Here's maybe one that more relates to today. Football players. Okay. Football players. Um, and you may have seen um, a play or two um, in, in your life where one of the players is running and all of a sudden his helmet pops off and he goes into the, into the huge pile of humanity there on the field and he has no thought about what he's doing. But he doesn't have his helmet. <laughs> what's going to typically happen to that guy? You know, the potential of a, a concussion. You know, and, and that's what's been... You know, we've seen that in the past few years. Guys that have to retire early... From football, due to concussions, they they have to check these guys out, you know, after they get a concussion. Um, I had a mild concussion when I was in college, uh, playing against a team in Southern California in the in the in the sport of soccer, and going up for a ball, jumping up and trying to head it, and I got hit right in the temple, and at the at that moment. I was in midair. I, I don't jump very high, so it wasn't like I was way up in the air. But when I was up at that point of my jump, my, my teammates on the sideline said, your body just went limp. They could see that. And, and then I went crashing to the ground, falling to the ground. And they had to carry me off the field. And on the sideline, I'm asking for my mommy. And like, okay, this guy's not going back in the game. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. He could count the fingers that we we're holding up. But how embarrassing. A college athlete asking for mom on the sidelines. Where's my mom? Yes, I should have done that on Mother's Day or something, right? Uh, um, but I hope you track with my, my examples and illustrations here because a lot of times um, if a player with a concussion, gets back in the game, they're not going to be much good. They're not going to, in fact, it's dangerous to get them back in the game. Dangerous for their health. The idea that I want to convey is that it's dangerous if we aren't understanding the point of church. Okay? And over the years, it has um, has drifted Um, Even back in the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon was dealing with this kind of thing. And they called it the downgrade controversy. And he was dealing with it. And it was an effort to somehow um, water down, I guess is one way to summarize it, water down the message, water down the whole point of what church is about. And we, we talked last week about going to the wellness clinic and having checkpoints. And we started with this idea that it's the basics of life, okay? Um, there's got to be the basics of life, the signs of life there. Is there new life in you? Are uh, Do you live for a new Lord, or are you still living for yourself? And that's the struggle that everyone goes through, but there's got to be a point in time where it said, okay, Jesus is my Lord now. I don't have every single answer to the issues of life, but I know Jesus is my Lord because of what He did for me at Calvary. It starts with this understanding the basics of life. Then then we talked about the message of life. And so in your outline, it's number two that we're going to look at and try to dwell on here and and consider. um, The message of life is the gospel. And that is really what the church is really to be... Uh, founded upon and growing in. It's the message of life. The message of life doesn't change. Doesn't change. The message of life is intended to permeate all that we are. It's not just something that happened in the past. Oh, I know what I, I, I've had people say that to me. Oh, I know what you mean. I, I did that 20 years ago. And it's almost like if the implication is saying, uh, I don't need to worry about that anymore. No, we do. We need to understand what the message is and have a good grip on the message of the gospel. So it's intended to permeate all that we are as people. We're God's creatures, God's children, God's uh, creation. And we who are Christians need to hold on to the message of the gospel with a good grip. Um, The message of life is intended to plant us immediately in the church. Once you receive uh, the This message, here's the gospel. Once you come to faith in Christ, immediately you're planted in the church. You might not have felt that, but you are a part of the body of Christ upon uh, faith in Christ. Okay? And that's what it means when the Bible says the Holy Spirit baptizes you. He baptizes you into the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay? And so we're all a part of that body uh, as believers. And I, I mentioned it last week. It's, it's, a, it's a, a beautiful thing of, of considering it, that we're the bride of Christ. And there ought to be that, um, that similar uh, love and, and wonder and, and anticipation of, of being uh, at the marriage feast of the Lamb, right? When, when the marriage is consummated and that's the that's the picture that we're given right now it's the bride of christ and we're we're supposed to be you know by the spirit's help we're preparing ourselves for that day okay so it's it's the idea that this message of life also transforms our lives and it equips us for ministry. Ephesians chapter 4. That's what we'll be looking at maybe in a couple of weeks. But this, this message of life is supposed to transform your life and my life. And then the message of life ought to send us out into the world, send us out in the community, and share the message of life with others. Just like this, the, the, the sower. The sower, you know, at one point, he stepped out of his house and he went and he started sowing seeds. And that's the idea that we have with the church. How did we come about? Christ saving us, planning us into the church, putting us there, and then transforming us so that we would shine like lights in a dark world. All right. Then, um, real quickly, under letter A, 2A, possession. Do you own it? We mentioned that last week. Do you own it? Own this message. Do you know the message? The more you and I own the message, the more we ought to be treasuring the message. There's a difference there. You know? Owning something and and treasuring it. That's the idea that we we need to uh, be thinking about regarding the message of the gospel. That we own it and we treasure it. The more we read and the more we meditate on the truths of the Bible... And the gospel message, the more we do that, the more we're going to truly own it. And the more we know it, the more we will proclaim it or present it to others. And this is something that we've been trying to uh, bring attention to in our Sunday school classes um, about the gospel. Are we sharing the gospel with others? And that's an important feature that should go on and on and on as long as we're here in life, as long as we meet together in church. How are we doing in that regard? How are we doing in sharing the gospel with others? Then we come to this letter B, the proclamation or the presentation of the gospel message. And I pointed out last week that here's Matthew 16 and, and Jesus saying, I, I'm going to build my church on this what? Peter? Well, yeah, but no, not on the person Peter, but on the, here's the, the confession that he made. The confession that he made was, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, there's the gospel in a nutshell. Christ came. He's God. And he died for the sins of the for, for you, for me, and the sins of the world. Okay? So, at that point then, uh, he dies. And he, and he said that in Matthew 16, just to uh, follow up on Matthew 16, he goes ahead and talks about, well, and guess what? Um, I'm going to have to go in, into Jerusalem and suffer and die. And the disciples say, and Peter especially, say, no, 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 you can't. You're not going to do that. And Jesus said to him, what? Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Okay? See, that was the plan of man. Uh, Lord, you don't need to do that. God's plan was Jesus going to the cross. He's going to go and suffer there, and so um, here's this transition now, and he goes and he dies on the cross. He's buried, rises up again, and then in Acts chapter one we see the ascension of Christ. Okay, and at that point, Acts chapter two, here comes here's the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit coming upon the believers, and the church is started there. And thus, now the proclamation continues. The proclamation of the gospel continues on. Acts chapter 2 and, and on, you, um, you can look at Acts. Any of these chapters will have a proclamation of the gospel message. And if we want to study them and look at them and see, well, gee, how did Peter do it? Peter uh, brought in Old Testament passages of Scripture. Um, that's a good example. As we present the gospel with others, you know, to, to keep referring to examples of Scripture, okay? And here's here's this point at which we take a little uh, slowdown in our health checkups. A diagnosis of the modern church. You see it there in your outline. A diagnosis of the modern church. And to get started here, I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. How do we in 2010 line up with the early church? How do we line up with the early church? And if, if you're to ask me real quick, you know, what's, uh, for a quick response, I'd say not very well. We don't line up very well with the early church. Um, things have, have gotten uh, uh, swayed off target. Um, got, uh, swayed off course, drifted off course, some, and that's a concern. That ought to be a concern to you, and it ought to be a concern to uh, the leaders in the church. And so that's one of the reasons why we're doing this kind of a message or a topic, uh, you know, so that we can say, "Hey, let's let's get back on track as best that we can." And where does that start? It starts with. Here's the message. Here's the message of the gospel. Okay? So you're in Matthew 17, and I I read this to you to say, guess what? Uh, We're more like the disciples in this passage. We're kind of like the disciples. Matthew 17, starting in verse 14, and and when they had come to the, uh, came back to the multitude, a man came up to him falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him And the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. And then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, You shall say to this mountain, Move from here to there, And it shall move, And nothing shall be impossible to you. Okay? There's a a gospel example of what I think fits a description of the modern church in many cases. Somehow we're not able. And why? Why can't we say to this mountain, be moved? And it'll move. You stop and think about that. You know what happens? That, that means there. That there's got to be power. There's got to be power involved in this. And one, Jesus says, it's because of the littleness of your faith. And all of us, folks, no matter how long you've been going to church, how long you've been a Christian, all of us have to grow in our faith. And how do you grow in your faith? By the word of God and by submitting to the Holy Spirit. The more I've studied this and looked at it, it's not just, well, know your word Yes, it's know your word and be submitting to the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, the diagnosis for the modern church um, gets more pointed. And we, we look at the, the gospel that's displayed or the gospel that's presented nowadays. And that's why I have these fill in the blanks here now. Um, first is the popular version. The popular version of the gospel it sounds right when you start listening to it. It sounds right, but it's like something's missing. Something's missing. You know, it, it can start with this idea. I, I'm presenting the gospel to someone and it can start with, well, God loves you. Right? We'd all agree with that. God loves you. But somehow we've got onto that as our first stepping stone. Well, let's start with it. God loves you. Yes, He loves you. But I, I want to ask you, if you can find an example from Jesus, or from Paul, or from others, that, that started that way in presenting the gospel. You don't find that. But we do it all the time. Because why? That's what, that's what we found My goodness, the love of God in my life. I want to share that with others. (laughs) It's just, I think what happens is it, it gradually, subtly shifts to being a man centered message. It's about you, right? I mean, look, let me tell you what God can do for you. And it's so wonderful. You need Him. You you, you ask him in your life, and that's a a compassionate uh, uh, presentation of the gospel. That's what we need, but it it still misses the mark. Softly and subtly, it just it makes man the center of things. Okay, we got to watch out for that, folks. So it's so easy to shift into giving the popular version of the gospel. Okay, it's it evolves into the thing of here's what God will do for you. And now in our day, people will say, well, that's 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 neat. But I, I'm pretty well, I, I'm pretty well taken care of now. Thanks anyway. So it becomes like it's an option and I it's OK to take option A or B or C and I'll go with A. You go with C. Great. We're all happy, right? Those kinds of of, uh, things just creep into our thinking about presenting the gospel. Why? You know, we we don't want to be too um, offensive. We want to make it uh, attractive, don't we? (laughs) And so those are concerns. And there's other things that we can mention here under the the popular version of giving the, the, the gospel out. But the next one ought to be our concern. The next one, fill in the blank, is the, the saving version. Now, I want to be careful here not to say that what I say is the only way. In it. it's What I'm trying to express and pass along here is that there is a difference between the popular version of sharing the gospel versus the saving version of the gospel. Now, if you were to memorize this or whatever and, and get it right down and nail it down, That doesn't mean everyone's going to come to know Jesus as you present it. Why? Salvation is of the the Lord. And it's it's a matter of, is God working in the person's life and drawing them to himself? Okay. What about the whole subject of the elect of God? That's something that we, uh, whoa. (laughs) We won't get into that today, all right? But nonetheless, that's there it's there and you can't ignore it but the saving version of the gospel let me um, let me just read this to you this is a booklet um, that we have in our church um, helping children understand the gospel and um, it's it's given out by um, or, or is done by these people uh, Sally Michael Jill Nelson and Bud Burke out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, Children Desiring God. Our Sunday school curriculum is uh, through this, uh, Children Desiring God uh, uh, curriculum, okay? And here's what um, is presented on, on this. They, they give an illustration. I'm just going to read this to you. Listen up. Imagine a family going for a boat ride on a beautiful summer day out on the lake Being careful parents that they are, each child is wearing a new life jacket, the best that money can buy. The kids love the jackets because they have neat, child-friendly designs and colors. The children are now safe in the unlikely event that the boat should sink uh, or be overwhelmed by the waves. But there is something that the parents and the children have not taken into account. Lake in this case, uh, they say Lake Superior, is very cold. Even in the summer, the water temperature hovers around 55 uh, degrees. So as wonderful as those life jackets may seem and as much as the parents and children feel safe in the event of the boat being overwhelmed, the real danger remains unforeseen and unplanned for hypothermia. In the event that the family is tossed into the water and is left afloat, Eventually, the frigid temperature of the water will kill them. Unfortunately, the writer goes on, the gospel that we often present is like those life jackets. It's a gospel that we think will protect and save, but it is not the safety assurance that we envision it to be. And it may be that while our children think they are safely bound for eternal life in heaven... In reality, they continue their slow but dangerous float in the deadly waters of hell. Why is this so? Because it's not the gospel of scripture. Or it's not the saving version of of the gospel. How have we changed the true life-saving gospel into a child-friendly and colorful but ineffective type of life jacket? Here are a few characteristics of this changed gospel and why it is so deadly. This changed gospel puts man at its center instead of God. It presents a plan instead of a person. It seeks to comfort but not convict. It's a message that calls for acceptance of Christ but not repentance. Okay? It simply encourages... Acknowledging true facts rather than embracing and submitting to the one who is both Lord and Savior. It enslaves men to works instead of freeing them up to do good works. Now, I read that and you think, well, that's, wow, that that sounds pretty serious. It is. It is. I've been guilty of it in my past. I've been, I'm, I'm prone to want to share a, a message that brings comfort rather than conviction. That's been a, a, a tendency that I've had in my past. I ask, the, I want to ask the Lord to help me be more on target with it. Why? Why? It comes down to the, the digging deeper into this idea of the gospel, what it's really about. See, if it doesn't come across as a true treasure, then it starts waning over time. It's not that big of a deal over time. If it's just a matter of, well, I've been comforted, great. It's important that we understand the target is more about conviction. With what? With righteousness. Remember when we were studying in Romans? And we said in in Romans, God says, here's my righteousness. And what have people done? They have spurned it. They have rebelled against it. They say, no thanks. And so it builds into Romans chapter 3 where it says, for all have sinned and fallen, what? Fallen short of the glory of God. What are they falling short in? In regards to righteousness. Righteousness. We fail in righteousness. And that's God's standard. Remember that. It's not my standard. It's not your standard. It's God's standard. And so the gospel presentation has to start where? With God. It starts with God. Let's talk about God. And it's not like you have to get out the old big huge theological book and and, uh, read it. But it starts with acknowledging who God is. Right, and the focus is, is on it's on his holiness. it's on his perfection, it's on his perfect righteousness, and we can't make it. we fall short there, there's where man comes in, right? Man comes in second as saying, we fall short. everyone acknowledges that. you fall short, you fall short of God's righteousness. yeah, there's not a one here. The only other answer would be saying, well, I don't believe God. I don't believe in God. He's not there. So that wipes out all of your arguments, right? Well, he's still going to have to deal with this issue. Did Christ rise up from the grave? <laughs> You've got to disprove that, really. And that can't be disproved. So we start with God, and, and man's falling short, right? And then we deal with God's righteousness, His righteous standard. Okay, We have failed to keep God's commandments. That's where you go. You've you got to go there to His commandments. There's a story also in this book. Um, they, they share about an author by the name of Ernest Reisinger. And he writes, whatever happened to the Ten Commandments? They give this little paragraph about uh, the importance of the Ten Commandments. He's, they say, in days gone by, children learned the commandments... Before they learn John 3:16. how many know John 3:16 by heart? You can say it to yourself. We won't make you say it. Hold your hands up. You know John 3:16? Great. All right. Now, how many know all ten commandments? Okay, not as many hands go up. Okay? I know five, five. Okay. He goes on to say, uh, um, days gone by, children learned commandments before they learned John three sixteen. Because then did John three sixteen have any real meaning for them? Get that? And then he said, likewise, John Eliot's first translation work among the Indians was not of John three sixteen, but of the Ten Commandments. And he preached his first sermon on the Ten Commandments. Did John Elliot think that the Indians would be saved by the Ten Commandments? Of course not. But the Ten Commandments would show them why they needed to be saved. They were lawbreakers like you and me. And they needed a law keeper to be their substitute. See, it it takes a different um, atmosphere, so to speak, when we start talking about these kind of things rather than, you know, look what Jesus will do for you. All right? And it might be, I, I recognize, some of you might be thinking, yeah, I know this, I know this. Even still, we need to just be taking this into our hearts, into our minds, and, and mulling this over, chewing it over, pondering it more and more, meditating on it, so that when you go out, you're much more ready to present a gospel ...that is more on target with how Jesus did it. Okay? So, the Ten Commandments given to point out here... ...you're guilty. Not just you're you're a sinner. Everyone says, yeah, I'm a sinner. But you're guilty against God. Do you understand that? You're trying to relay that message on. You're guilty before God. And God will judge those who are guilty... ...unless... You've come to faith in Christ. Unless you've run to the refuge who is Jesus Christ alone. Okay? So, that's what we work towards in presenting the gospel. We we have to help the person understand their plight of being separated from God. Okay? Now, with that in mind, Turn to Romans, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. A person must come to faith in Jesus Christ, right? Well, if we're concerned about this, we ought to be saying, well, I want to be ready to uh, present the gospel effectively. You know, more on target than a man-centered kind of aversion. And so, we start with Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Okay? Simple verse that we're familiar with, right? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness, my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. And here again... With that one verse, there's a there's a summation of the church right there. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That the church is in there. The church is in that transition somehow, some way, right? Now we uh, we're gonna jump. I want you to see it. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one verse 16 some of you you, you, you know this uh, familiar verse but uh, got to look at it and see it on the on the page okay look and see it here Romans chapter 1 verse 16For I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God okay and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power right Acts chapter 1 verse 8 theres the connection. It's the message and the Spirit of God working hand in hand. Working together. Here's the message. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. That's how you and I are saved. By the work of the Lord. What He did at Calvary. And here's the message. And here it is transferred to you. And you respond in faith. Okay? Now, now, there's those are just two words. Uh, I mean, the one word in both verses. Power in Acts one eight. Power in Romans one sixteen. Now turn to First Thessalonians, and here's an example of how it comes about. Here's the example of how it comes about in First Thessalonians in chapter one. What we're going to do is take a quick run through of some verses and I want you to maybe note it or, or maybe circle the word or something to where you see this word gospel coming up. The gospel or the word or the message. Some, one of those forms. You watch for it. Here we go. First Thessalonians 1, starting at verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. With full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. Okay? They've taken the, the gospel message and now the word of the Lord is sounding forth from them. Right? Chapter 2, verse 2. But after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. Okay? And remember that last phrase, because we're going to talk about that at the end. Uh, the gospel among, um, amid much opposition. Verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. Verse 8, having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. So, it's mentioned a number of times. Now, follow along, please. Follow along. Okay? Um... Now in verse 11, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. That's with Paul to the church. Exhorting, right? Imploring. For what? Verse 12. Here's the result of the work of the powerful gospel in one's life. Look at verse 12. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you, into his own kingdom and glory for this reason we also constantly thank god that when you receive from us the word the gospel of god's message that you accepted it not as the word of men but for what it really is the word of god which also performs its work in you who believe why am i making this uh, such an emphasis you know, I, I, sometimes, you know, it's like, um, am, am I really getting through? You know, is, is it really, um, am I connecting here with this? Because it's the word of God that brings about salvation. James chapter one. Okay. We're brought, brought forth by the word of truth. See, God uses the word to bring conviction. And God will use the word to bring transformation in your life. Are you struggling with stuff in your life? Are you? It's like, are, are you hurting about how to live the Christian life? Are you, are you tripping up? Are you s- struggling with old habits? It's the gospel message, and what grows out of that, that will help change your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I've been saying, it's not just the message, because we can have all sorts of know-it-alls, big deal. But we need the message so that we have a knowledge and the submission to the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we will do what He wants, so that we will submit and obey to Him. Now, all to say that, that's a survey of how the powerful gospel message will transform your life and the life of this church. When it's given in a God-centered way, saying it's about God, it's not about, you know, you and me, It's about God and His glory. And that's what I want to be a part of. And that's what I know that the the majority of you here, that's what you want to be a part of. Seeing God working in your life and in your church. Okay? And that's why. Listen. That's why Acts chapter 2 says that the disciples then, and all those believers, they were continually emphasis on continually continually devoted to what? number one the apostles doctrine teaching and what's at the heart of that teaching? the gospel of Jesus Christ okay the the believers there the first Christians they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and what's next? fellowship right? right? And then the breaking of bread, which I believe that means not just communion time, but also sharing in food. (laughs) Just a little need that we all have. Yes, and some have it more than others. (laughs) Or, no, that's saying it the wrong way. Anyway, I think you get my drift. See, these are the things that the disciples, the early believers, they were committed to. Okay? Okay. So, that's the flow of it. Now, what, we, what I want to try and do, well, turn your outline over and you see the back side here. Um, now, when it comes to this, uh, this Jesus example, here's what I'd like you to do. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Now... Here's one example that Jesus gave about presenting the gospel. And we see it here in verse 16, Matthew 19, verse 16. Okay? And behold, one came to him and said, Teacher. Now that one ends up being the rich young ruler. One came to him saying, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Now, the popular version would jump in and say, I got the answer. Except Jesus. Now, I know that most of you understand that's not what we say, but that's so often what the response is. We want to jump, oh, someone's, someone wants to uh, have eternal life. Well, accept Jesus. He died for your sins. All that, you know, we can say that's right. But Jesus didn't respond that way, right? Well, look, he didn't. He says, why are you asking me about what is good? And he says, there is only one who is good. There he goes. He's going to talk. He, he, he's pointing to God and God's perfection. Right? But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. There he goes. He's, he's pointing now to God's righteousness. So, okay, keep the commandments. The guy says, oh, I've kept the commandments since I was young. <clears throat> Wrong answer. But that's the way he was trained. He, he, he figured he kept all the commandments. Okay? So Jesus kept going with that mindset. Okay, you keep the commandments. Great. And what does he say? If you wish to be complete. Okay, what is that word? Perfect. Or another, uh, Whole. Or mature, if you wish to be complete or perfect. See, that's what Jesus did. He, he brought up this issue of perfection. And and if people were honest, they realized, ah, right? there's no way. There's no way before God's perfect standard. There's no way I can keep perfect. There's no way I can do it. There's no way I'm good. But Jesus said, if you wish to be complete, go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. And what? Come follow me. Right? So, hey, buddy, if you think you can do it in your own strength and in your own power, hey, go for it. So there's an example of what Jesus did. He didn't exactly use the uh, the, the you know three little steps to salvation, did he? Huh? No. Now, think about the, the, uh, the woman at the well. Think of the woman at the well, how he approached that conversation, right? Track along with how Jesus deals with people. He's trying to get them to understand uh, in their own strength, in their own power, in their own selves, they're not going to make it. They need a law keeper. Because they're a law breaker, I'm a lawbreaker, you're a law breaker, so the example is, and this is coming this is one suggestion for you, okay here's one suggestion, the way of the master, one suggestion it's it's solid, it's good, but I, that's what I have here with these uh, lines on the back of your outline. What would uh, W? It's not WWJD. You know, you see all those little bracelets around. WWJD. What would Jesus do? This is what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Those are the letters there. The first question is Would you consider yourself a good person? Okay? Would you consider yourself a good person? What does most everyone say? Most everyone says, Well, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Letter D. Do you think you have kept the Ten Commandments? If you're going to try and present it, you better know the Ten Commandments, right? Get to know them. Put them up at the house. Put them on the refrigerator. Write them out yourself. Have the kids make a project of it. Here's the Ten Commandments. Do you you think you've kept the Ten Commandments? And a lot of people, because of their, their own individual pride... I was one of them. I would have said, oh, yeah, stutter, stutter, fumble, fumble. I was, yeah, I think I've kept the Ten Commandments. But the point is, why did God give the Ten Commandments? Why did God give the Ten Commandments? So you could keep them? Floyd, you can't keep them. (laughs) Woody, you can't keep them. Don, you can't keep them. Why did God give the Ten Commandments in the first place? To show that you needed a Savior. To show that you couldn't make God's standard. Okay? You couldn't do it. Letter J. On the day of judgment, will you be innocent or guilty? Letter J. On the day of judgment, will you be innocent or guilty? Letter D, destiny. Will you go to heaven or hell? Now, you have to prepare yourself, Christian, to know more about, here's verses that I can share with people if you're going to track along with this suggestion. Okay? And um, again, uh, uh, this is one suggestion. There's all sorts of other suggestions out there. But are you going to be taking one that's following a a presentation that's going to deal with the lack of righteousness that a person has, or is it going to be a man-centered one that says, "Oh, you know," and 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 puffs up the the person more than the the savior? So that's Jesus' example. Now let me f- finish with this: the Bible's pattern, the Bible's pattern, and I've got these uh, letter C uh, starting the uh, words that start with the letter C. Um, this is something that. Um, seems to be uh, some, a, a, a pattern that you can catch and, and, and track along with all throughout the Bible. And it, it starts with the word the cross. The cross. And what's, what's typical of the cross is sacrifice, right? It's Sacrifice. And the, this first one and the second one, these are critical, right? These are critical to this idea of, you know, here's God's uh, pattern that's established. It starts with the cross. It's sacrifice. In the Old Testament, even with Abraham, how Abraham responded to God, what did Abraham start building? What, what was Abraham a builder of? Altars. What did they do in altars? Sacrifice blood sacrifices, right? And here is the start of the gospel message. Cain and Abel start all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. It started there. And it, it weaves its way all throughout the Old Testament and onto the pinnacle of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for a wicked, rebellious mankind because he was the law keeper, Right? He's the law keeper and he kept it. And he glorified God in that. And he was the only one that could pay the penalty for a a whole multitude of guilty sinners. So it starts here. Here's the gospel message in seed form. Here are these altars that they're building in the Old Testament. Um, Check out uh, not only... Genesis chapter 22 where the is the altar and, and um, I'm sorry the the sacrifice of Isaac same kind of principle there they're gonna, God says Abraham take your one and only son and go sacrifice him he raises up the knife is ready to do it stop Abraham stops there the the Lord will what the Lord's gonna provide praise God the Lord provide there's a, a ram caught in the thicket Abraham takes that animal and cuts his throat. There's the blood spilled for an offering. Right? Exodus chapter 12 through 14. Same thing. The people are in bondage. It's a picture of being in sin. And there's a lamb that's slain. And the blood is put on the doorposts and across the top. And when the the Spirit of the Lord comes across, yeah, the destroyer, God Himself, punishing sin, he sees the blood and he passes over, thus the Passover, right? And after they were delivered, they went out, they were wanting to go worship God for his deliverance, for his, his redemption. Ezra chapter three, another example, just write it down. Ezra chapter three, they go in and they rebuild the altar and then they rebuild the temple. There's a process that, you know what the second word is? There's the cross, and then there's the church. The cross is first, and then the church. You come through the cross, and you arrive at the church. God's established pattern. Okay? And it, what, what happens in the church? It's supposed to be worship. It's supposed to be God-honoring. And when I say worship, it means what we're doing now is learning more about the Word of God um, taking, If you're taking notes, jot down Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 16. What Jesus does there is the same kind of pattern that we see. He says, I'm going to have to go to the cross. I'm going to suffer and, and be mocked and, and be arrested and be, you know, and I'm going to die. There's the cross. And then he goes on to talk after that following, you know, the, regarding the kingdom and glory. Okay? So it's this process the cross then the church then what happens when a person's in the in the church follows here's consecration and conflict there's the the next line consecration and conflict that's what god does consecration he makes you holy sanctification another word to say and conflict why is conflict there because the world's going to be against you they were against jesus they'll be against you then the final one is consummation the consummation of all things. So, having come by way of Calvary and, and through Christ and His cross, his, his death, the believer is now a member of Christ's church planted in His body. Okay? Planted in the body of Christ. So, we wrap it up with this conclusion. The church, to be effective, must be harnessed up to the true power source. That. Uh, nice way to say it the church if it's going to be effective has to be harnessed up to the true power source and that is the holy spirit number one the holy spirit are you a born-again believer okay and number two is the present the power of god with the message of god romans 116 i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god unto salvation Okay, Um, so that's a an encouragement, a reminder, an admonition, if if need be, about where we start. It's the message, young people. I want to encourage you about this. Get to know the message more and more for yourselves. Even though you say, "Oh, I'm I'm already a Christian." Get to know the message of the gospel. start with the Ten Commandments, learn them, and then point people to the one who kept the law, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Um, next week uh, there will there will be a um, a presentation uh, of our financial report from Dale White, and then there'll be a uh, a message that correlates with that uh, it's our annual uh, report as to how things have been going and um, uh, we just really thank the Lord for uh, you folks and your uh, your participation in this I I want to say one last thing uh, just uh, a matter of concern regarding um, how I might, I don't know how I came across to you here, but I, I want to implore you about not just letting this pass away out one, in, ear, in one ear and out the other. I want to implore you about this because you don't know what's going to happen when you walk out and you go to the store and someone might come up to you and say, uh, I've been thinking about God lately. What are you going to say to them? are you ready and that's i just i just want to encourage you about getting a better grip on the the gospel that's targeted at god and his righteousness so that you can be faithful in sharing the gospel in a humble compassionate way okay let's stand up for a closing prayer